Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents, and adults, trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot, and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics, including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture, and future, and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice, and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. The Trauma Tale started as a little passion project to entertain me during lockdown, but it's turned into something so much more than I ever could have imagined. I'm the host, the producer, the admin, marketing, content developer, social media manager and designer. I could sell the Trauma Tales, but that would mean that the anonymity of the people I interview wouldn't be as protected as it is now. See, it's only me who knows and I swore to protect the people who share their stories with you. But that means that I don't get to take in any of the network's funds either. So to keep the trauma tales running, I've launched a Patreon account for those of you who want more than just the regular seasons. Patreons will be entitled to discounted merch, extra content, and heaps more, like Q&As with me. So to help me keep this podcast going, jump on the link in the show notes and make a one-time contribution or a monthly subscription so I can keep sharing these stories with you and protect those who honour us with their tales. Welcome back, everybody, to The Trauma Tales. And today we're speaking with Lily. Hi, Lily. How are you? Hello. I'm good. That's good. So would you like to tell us a little bit about a time where you experienced trauma? Yep. Um, In May 2019, um, I had a, a major MBA car accident with my daughter, in the car and I spent three months in hospital and then I'm still recovering. Oh, so shit. lots of PTs. Yep. It was pretty traumatic for everyone, including my kids and my husband and everyone. So what were you doing that day? Um, well, the kids had school and I was on doing school pickup and oh, okay. my daughter my youngest one, she's a bit of a monkey. She likes to climb around and she was climbing a tree and she fell out. So I took her off to the local hospital um, because she'd fractured her wrist. And after we had her all sorted, we were driving back and um, another car cut in front of me, cut me off, and we spun out of control and I broke both my legs, um, completely shattered both my ankles as well. So that's how that day ended. But, um, you know, in hindsight, it's lucky that my daughter was okay. How, she was in a – sorry, I was going to say she was in a five-point harness, so she, was, she okay. was safe. Oh, God. So you just left the hospital after she'd broken yeah. her wrist from doing kid things, which is really super normal, and then you got cut off 
which made your car spin out of yep. control and then hit something else or something else. I didn't hit. hit I didn't hit something else, but she she hit me kind of head on. So it's and I kind of swerved to try and prevent hitting her, which obviously didn't work. So it smashed in the whole front, and then my car spun. So on the spinning impact, I had a leg get caught underneath the seat, oh. and the other leg was smashed around so much. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So, can I ask what happened next in in the MBA? So she's hit you, and the, you've spun, and now the car has stopped. What so next, I'm not sure if I passed out or anything, but the next thing I remember, a stranger, I can't. I remember her telling me her name, but I can't quite remember what her name is. Um, and she unbuckled my daughter and took my daughter out. She was screaming. So that's like my last memory of seeing my daughter for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was screaming out to me and I was screaming out to her. Um, I've tried to get myself out of the car, I tried to stand up, but obviously my leg was stuck and I couldn't like pull my leg out um and my other leg was also broken so I couldn't put any pressure on that leg either um somebody else came and got in the car with me and I don't remember like I remember her face and I can see her face but I can't like I don't know who it was sometimes I actually think it's the other driver um she went to hold my hand but I'm not a a hold hand kind of person um and I put my hand down onto my knee and I had a, a large laceration all through my knee and that was bleeding and I think it had a lot of like fatty tissue and stuff because it was quite gross and panicked me. Um, and then I vaguely remember this SES and the CFS. Uh, they're our fire crew and safety crew in South Australia. Um, and they came and um, had to break the door off, bend the door back. Um, they had the ambulance on standby already because my leg was stuck so bad. Um, underneath the steering work- wheel? No, underneath my seat. So it was tucked like in a really weird angle. So it's, they'd also pulled all out of joint. So everything was out of joint. So um, you've got, sorry, I'm not very good at visuals. So you your leg was actually underneath your seat. Yeah, so my left leg was underneath my seat and my right leg was just dangling around. Oh, oh yeah. wow. I mean, my bones didn't come through my skin for my ankles and my legs, so that was probably a good thing. But because of the, there was so much pressure on my left leg, they were worried about cardiac arrest yeah, and some yeah. blood poisoning and stuff. Um Eventually they got me out. I can't remember too much. I've been told that um, when the, one of the people said to me, well, it was actually my mother-in-law, she said to me, or, you know, you were laying there and you just kept on saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so fat. And, like, they just couldn't get over that. That's what my thoughts were in the middle of a, a major car accident. Um, and they got me into the ambulance and straightened. They had to straighten my ankle. Um, so, and that's the pain I'll never, ever forget. So they straightened both ankles, but the first one I must've passed out on because I don't remember them doing the second one. Um, they straightened them up, gave me something to like suck on and the some green whistle sprays. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. A lot of it's very, like, I can't remember much. I don't know whether if I hit my head and, or whether if it's just, you know, the way my body works or I just don't want to remember. Um, my mother-in-law, she's, she said, I was just looking at her, um, at one stage, just asking her to, to help me. Um, and she was like mortified herself. Um, and my husband was off with my daughter in the other ambulance because he knows that he doesn't deal with me. He deals and looks after the kids first because that's just a, a given rule for me yeah with parents yeah yeah I'm exactly the same so yeah I was going to ask how how was your mother-in-law on site how did that happen um so when I was in the car um the other the stranger that was in the car she asked me who to ring and I told them to ring my husband but he was out at the shops so um um 
and he doesn't take his phone with him, of course. Um, and then so I said, why don't you ring? I said, you can ring my daughter. And I told her my daughter's name and my eldest. And I said, don't tell her what's going on. Just ask to speak to her dad. And he was obviously at the shop. So I just said, ring my mother-in-law. And she rung my mother-in-law. And this was um, the second time my mother-in-law had been called to me for a car accident. Um, the other one was nine months prior, just down the road, but that was not as bad. It, nobody was badly injured or anything like that. Um, someone just rear-ended me and folded the car in half. Um, so, yeah, she came along. She's uh, has been the last uh, probably 10, 15 years like a mother to me, myself, so, like for myself. So, you know, she was a bit... A bit worried and stuff but you know she's a organization person and keep you know keeps everybody on track and you know takes control of the situation um and my husband was finally they got hold of my husband and he walked up when they had the tarps held up around my car mm-hmm. um and he thought well obvious things that when you see a tarp around a car that it's a body that's being taken out not a not a person well, it's not a person but yeah person um but obviously that changed when they straightened my ankle and I screamed murder um and that's all I remember till I got to the hospital um and I woke up to one of my friends who was working that day at the hospital like they're a nurse yeah 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 so uh, we have a like a little group chat and she's she's messaged me they were all messaging me because they were like wanting to know what happened with my daughter. And I said, oh, um, Shane messaged back because one of them wrote, hey, man, you're dead, mum. Because we, you know, we have a bit of black humour like that and we're back and forth like that. And my husband wrote back, um, nah, nah, she's not dead, but she's in um, trauma. So then my friend went down to Trauma Bay. And the last thing I remember is I opened my eyes and I looked at her and I said, take photos. And then I passed back out again. Um, and then I woke up, I remember waking up vomiting and I couldn't move my head or sit up or, you know, and I was choking. And then I woke up the next day. That's basically, yeah, all I can remember from that. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioural Education providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au. It's it's so fascinating that you asked her to take photos. So have you seen those photos? Um, yes. Yeah, I've got um, copies of those photos. Um, they're quite graphical. Um, sometimes I, you know, I show people when the response is enough. But it's, yeah, quite daunting even when you look at it and think how close I was to actually losing both of my legs. Mm. And if not both, one of them. Um, but. You know, I'm glad she took them. I'm yeah. really glad that she took them. Yeah, it might have probably, you know, now you look, think about it and go, that was such a strange thing. But somewhere in your brain you went, I'm going to need to know about this later. I'm going to yeah. need to, to deal with this and work on this later. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, uh, how to have for, uh, that foresight when you're like right in the middle of that trauma. That's that's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah. So. I'm gathering you weren't in hospital overnight. <laughs> nope. No, I was there for three months. So I spent um, uh, about two and a half weeks in, a, in our major hospital. Um, and I had, at first, they put um, external fixations. So I had like metal frames on my legs because they needed the swelling to go down mm-hmm. and they needed to decide if they were going to keep my legs remove my legs where they would remove them if they were to um and whether if they were able to salvage 
and build build up. How the have a bit fuck was that discussion for you? Like, um, how, do I keep my le- like my head's exploding listening to this? Like, I could not imagine being in a scenario where there is a discussion going on about and that I would be involved with about removing my limbs. How the well, hell was I didn't, that? Most of it was done when I was in trauma. Yeah, and I didn't really have much of a say because obviously I was not coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was pain relief or, or what. I'm pretty sure it was pain relief because I had some gnarly dreams. Um, and so my father-in-law and my mother-in-law and my husband they basically said, "No, you need to you need to work this out and get this done." Um, I know, and my father-in-law works as a nurse and he's seen a lot of this sort of stuff. So it's just like, I know it's been done before, mm-hmm. so you can, you can do it. Um, so they, and then they put the external stuff on and just waited to see what the blood flow and the nerve damage was and all that sort of stuff. Um, I didn't find out that they were going to take my legs until probably about three or just before I came home from hospital. Mm-hmm. Nobody really told me those things. Um, until I saw an orthopedic surgeon and they were just like, you don't actually realise how close you were to us not being able to fix this. It's actually like a, a miracle that we've been able to to do this. So, And then they told me that I wouldn't come home without a wheelchair and I would use a wheelchair majority of my life, but I kind of laughed because that's not an option really so, for me. So talk to me a bit about your recovery. So what's, what's been happening? Um, well, I'm back to walking. Um, about 90% of the time I don't use a stick unless I'm out out shopping or um, where there's lots of people or like when I do school pickup where the ground's really uneven and there's lots mm-hmm. of kids because I'm um, very off balance. Um, or if I have a high pain day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Um, we use my stick as well. Um, pain relief is my friend. It's gotten to me through a lot of days of pain and nights of pain. Um, yeah, so I started off with hydro when I was at the third hospital. So I went to three different hospitals. I went to the big one and then a small country one that's probably about 10Ks from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a real country practice style hospital it was like amazing I know it sounds weird saying hospital is amazing but um they were just so um I don't even know like they made me feel really I was the youngest person there apart from some of the nurses everybody else goes there for palliative care or some rehab not rehab um respite Mm -hmm. care Mm -hmm. um so and I just went there for because I was bed bound um and I learned lots of, you know, letting people do things for me, which I hated, absolutely hated. Um, um, so like showering and all that sort of stuff at first, but then I was just like, no, nah, I'm doing it myself. Um, and then I went to the, a major hospital for rehab that had a major pool and um, had PTs on site and physiotherapies and, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, wow. So, so hydro is where you like do exercise in the pool. Yeah. So it takes away probably about 95% of your of your weight. Mm-hmm. So um, my favorite thing to do is to actually just float around in the pool because it's just weightless and it is actually completely pain free. Um, I don't even have aching. Um, wow. which is good. Yeah. Um, in the big pool. So I was non-weight bearing still when I was at that other hospital so I was allowed to walk after three months they I learned to walk again at the little country hospital um and I got that on video which I was a bit embarrassed at first but now once again if I I look back at it and I'm just like wow like I could barely move what was that like Lily like um, learning learning to walk for the first like again as a as a you know a grown-up um well I've got two of my children were really behind in their milestones for walking and it made me realize how hard work walking actually really is for kids Mm. um with especially with having to wear moon boots but um like balance and 
um, I don't even know, like just, just balance and having somebody there, like I had to have somebody right next to me every time. I wasn't even allowed to get up and go to the toilet without having one assist because I was, and I still am a fool's risk. Um, so I easily would just go crashing down. Um, but, yeah, it was just I can understand why my kids found my older, sorry, my two girls found it quite hard mm. to learn how to walk because it's not as, and I had no muscle in my legs because all my muscle had deteriorated. Yeah. Um, and, like, all in my lower back, a lot of my upper body was strong because I used myself, my upper body to do, like, bed transfers and, you know, transferring yeah. for a shower and stuff like that. Um, they're all the nurses in the little country hospital. They wanted to come and watch, but I didn't want them to. Yeah. No. Um, more so, I didn't want them to see because I didn't want them, like, if I ended up bailing out on it or if it was too much, I didn't want them to, or if I started to cry or anything like that. But my mother-in-law was there for that um, and she did enough crying for the both of us anyway. <laughs> um, and one of, one of my best friends were there. Um, and the first thing I did was I waited that night and I got one of the nurses to come in and my youngest daughter came in and I walked over to her and she was bawling her eyes out because I was, I was walking um, because she was worried I would never be able to walk again. Um, so, yeah, she was so excited. And even now she's my, my little cheer squad, you know, yeah. thumbs up all the time with everything that I'm doing. So it's, it's good. How do you think that or what were some of the impacts you saw of that time on your three kids, particularly your little one who was in the car with you? Um, well, I had gone from, um, from having me 24-7 because she's my youngest and there's a large gap between us, sorry, between um, the eldest and the youngest and the middle one and the youngest. Um, and she was, she'd gone from having me 24-7, hanging out with me, you know, after school, she would sit, do her reading with me, sit and watch a movie with me. We would go walking, we'd do all that stuff, um, to not having me at all. Mm. So it really broke her heart. Um, she, she refused to sleep in her own room. Um, so she ended up sleeping. They, um, Another part of the story is about my room, what my girlfriends did for my room. But um, they ended up, my husband and they ended up camping all out in the lounge room um, for the whole three months because she just needed to be close to somebody. Yeah. Um, and then when I finally came home the first night, she slept in my bed next to me. Um, and instead of sleeping next to me, she was almost on top of me. <laughs> she, held my, she held my hand like an otter like all night long and I tried to you know if I tried to move my hand she would just grasp really hard um she didn't know I was coming home so tell me about coming home um when I came home the first at first they were going to let me come home on one day but then they put me on a mental health hold for 24 hours or 40 that was going to be 48 but it was only 24 um, but then when I came home the next day, we didn't tell the kids because we didn't know how long or whether they would stop me from going home again. Um, and they, um, kids got home from school. So one of my girlfriends dropped them home. Um, and my husband was at work. So I had a couple of my girlfriends here and I was just sitting in my chair and the older two kids just stood in front of me, staring at me. Um, my son, he won't do much. He won't say much um I barely can even talk about the car accident around him he doesn't he doesn't like that time but just I ended up we filmed it and I dropped the phone because she was bawling and she just laid in my arms and just cried for ages and ages and sat up on my lap um well on the arm of the chair and just cuddled into me and up until probably about four weeks ago that's been my life every day. She's been very clingy, but now we're getting somewhere on track. Back to her being her, her normal self and her confidence is coming back and she's back in her own bed now most nights. Oh, woohoo. Yeah, but I do miss her, but we can't tell her that. But I do miss her laying in my bed with me. So, but, yeah, she's, um, she was, I think she was affected a lot 
but my son, I have a feeling there's more to him than what he lets on because he's a bit of a soft soul. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he was a bit upset and the whole thing. And when I was in trauma, the kids came in and he lent him to me and he said, uh, and I remember him saying this and I don't even know why I remember it. Maybe it's because it was so sad. But he said, Mum, please don't die because no one else has got my back. And, yeah, and I was a bit like um, no pressure, um, which, you know, obviously dying is not an option. But, yeah, so I was a bit a bit torn. Oh, my god! And then that, that three months I was in hospital, he, he was just, yeah, I think he just shut himself in his room basically. And he'd come and visit me when, you know, dad would bring him up. Um, and his school was really supportive and they helped look after Mela as well during the school days because Mela just, she didn't cope. So she, mm. they sent her off to his classroom and then his teacher just mothered her for me, which was lovely. In this gift-giving season, I want to introduce you to Mind Love. They're a hamper company, but with a difference. So most hampers are like about flowers or wine or talkies, robes and candles. And these are all really lovely, but sometimes you want something more personal for the person's needs. Mind Love is a hamper company about our mental health. So you can go to the website and you can either build a hamper from scratch and put anything you like in it from a huge range of products, or if you prefer, you can select from an already curated hamper and their products are incredible. So I actually had one made for Frankie's wife when she had surgery. It was chock full of amazingness. I selected the ultimate pamper package because she really needed some relaxation and self-care time after everything that had happened in the last few months. She loved it. She told me it was exactly what she needed. And Mind Love isn't just for adults. They have heaps of products and packages for kids and teens as well. So if you want to give something to support someone you love, show them that you hear them and that you see them and help to normalize mental health, go to mindlove.com.au. That's M-I-N-D-L-O-V-E.com.au. Say hi to Jen for me. Tell her I sent you mindlove.com.au. All about prioritizing self-care and mental health. That's nice. So there was some, um, there was some really nice things that came out of it. That uh, I'm hearing a lot of that rallying and that community coming. Yeah. Well, I don't have on my side of the family. I don't really, or didn't at the time, have any of my family in my life. Um, so I've got all my in-laws, and then I've got all my girlfriends. So there's a big bunch of us, um, and they were all mortified. Um, I had visitors every day, all day, every day. Um, when I got home, they'd had um, secretly refurbished my entire bedroom, new furniture, cleaned the carpets, painted, you know, decorated, all of that sort of stuff. So I had my own little space because they thought me coming home from hospital, I'm going to used to having my own space, but then coming home and then having everyone up in my face, you know, mm. she said they, they thought it might be a bit much for me myself um but my kids still come in here and annoy me so which is fine that's that's um, normal mothering though right that'll never yeah. stop yeah um yeah my son comes in and shares all the memes and tiktoks that he probably shouldn't be sharing with me but you know yeah, how old is your son 15 oh mine too and yeah the shit he sends me i'm like oh god dude really and the bad jokes like the bad 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 jokes my problem is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree so you know my kids have all got my humor even the youngest one so which is probably a bit scary I mean they all know there's a time and a place so yeah we just stick by that but yeah they all all my friends got together we had um my birthday and my son's birthday and my daughter's birthday, I was all I was in hospital for all of those. Um so my daughter was devastated because she wanted her sixth birthday to be a Christmas birthday. 
um, which was just Christmas decorations and Christmas party food and all that sort of stuff. And the nurses all rallied together and decorated all outside in the garden um, and decorated for Christmas. And then all my girlfriends made a massive reindeer Christmas birthday cake and Christmas cookies and all different types of food and stuff. And they, we, I knew about all of that, but my daughter didn't. And I said to my husband, bring, bring her a bit later just so we can set up. So we all set up and they, um, they wheeled me out in a, in a, this chair that was called a princess chair. Um, and I sat out there and we were all sitting out there and my daughter got there and she burst into tears. So she's a, a real emotional child too. So she, she was so happy that, you know, all of her friends were there and you know, she had this massive Christmas surprise party, which is great. That's cool. Um, and then the weekend after we did the same for my son. I don't like to celebrate my birthday, but um, we did anyway because my friend made me a cake too. Um, and yeah, so Anoska had the same sort of thing. Had a couple of friends, and we all just hung out in the in the big garden in the hospital. And yeah, it was it was good. The hospital was so good; they made me just as comfortable as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I was still struggling because I just wanted to be at home with my kids, and I've never missed a birthday in my life. And and I was angry because I wanted to be at home on the morning of my kids' birthdays because that's my favourite, um, you know, seeing them open their presents and, you know, they show me like I haven't seen what they've given them but, you know, all the excitement of that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like Christmas morning where they're like, yeah. look, Mum, look what I got. I'm aware. I shot yeah. for it, yeah. hid it for months, wrapped yeah. it, stuck it under the tree but, sure, it's a big surprise for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only person who's shocked in our house are usually the kids and my husband. Um, he's like, yeah, where did that come from? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I just bought it. Um, but, yeah, that's I was quite – they tried their hardest in the hospital to to make me be comfortable and, you know, all the a lot of the nurses became friends of mine um, and they would just come in, you know, night shift would come in and sometimes hang out with me because I couldn't sleep. Um so we would look at memes and inappropriate memes, as they do. I didn't see and know that side of nurses, but oh no, nurses have got like the blackest, or yeah, wrongest sense of humor you could possibly imagine. Every nurse I've ever met, that they've got a oh dark doesn't dark doesn't describe it. Like it's yeah. morbid. Yeah. So we fit. I fitted right in. Yeah, really well there. Um, and they would always do things like bring, you know, hot chocolates and biscuits for my kids when they'd come in to visit me at night time and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate being there, but I did hate being there. Like I just wanted to be home. Mm. And then they moved me to, um, the other rehab hospital. Um, and that was just, I think I bawled my eyes out the whole way leaving, the little country hospital all the way to this big one because I just I hadn't even I don't think I'd cried at all been like I just realized how bad everything was and everything had been um and I think I spent a good four or five hours just bawling my eyes out they got a psychologist to come in and she just sat there and let me let me go let me do what I needed to do and then she um you know, eventually, obviously, she can't spend all day sitting with me while I'm crying. Um, so she helped me calm down a bit and we managed to talk a bit. Um, and, yeah, but I still wanted to go home and still cried more. But I think I cried most of the time that I spent there for two weeks when well, I wasn't in the pool or in the gym. Yeah, that's pretty fair, I reckon. Yeah. I don't do crying very much, but yeah. But it's sometimes it's just got to come out. Yeah, I think that's just it was just everything was overwhelming, and it was all new routine, new staff, new room. You know, everything was like I knew the routine, and I knew what staff was on when at the little country hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, I even 
could remember the smell of one of the nurses' um, perfume to the point where she wore different perfume. And I said to her, have you got different perfume on today? And she's like, yes, that's weird. Um, so, yeah, that's how, you know, <laughs> tuned in I was with everything. Yeah. But I had my own room there, which was, I suppose, was good. But, yeah. So how are you and doing? How did it? Her. How did it impact on, obviously, like, I, you know, we know how it impacted on you physically. What about mentally? Um, I, like I said before, I'm not one for being touched or, or hugging and things like that. So lots of that was happening, especially when I first went there because I had the external fixtures. Um, so every time I needed to go to the bathroom or, and so I'd have to roll or... You know, I didn't get to have a shower for the first 17 days, so they would have to sponge bath me. And just having someone else touch me and, like, be in my personal space and stuff like that um, was just a lot mm. for me. Um, and fight or flight, a lot of that sort of, I was really anxious. Yeah. Um, and, you know, usually if I'm in a situation I don't want to be in, I can get up and leave. But... I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. Not with two broken legs, no. No. Um, and I was limited on my movement as well. Um, and I was missing my kids and just, you know, missing everything at home. My friends, they came to visit me every day, but I still wanted to do, you know, the hangouts and, you know, letting the kids play together while we spend all day drinking coffee and all of that sort of stuff. Um and I've just had all that ripped away from me. Um, I was kind of a bit devastated, probably about nearly two weeks into it. And I mean, I know that my family would have heard that I've had the accident and I hadn't heard from any of my family at all. Oh. Um, I thought that maybe that might make them care, but obviously they didn't. Um, but Shane's family, you know, they overcared if that makes not over I know that overcared sounds silly but they cared so much and I was like struggling to understand why I deserved them to care so much about me when I'm not actually their child um and I still now I do struggle a bit with that but um yeah um my yeah my friends and my family helped me out a lot but I yeah a lot of anxiety you could say a lot of anxiety mm. and a lot of sadness um just because I was missing out on stuff that was at home and then yeah. I, I just I just like to be at home and you know do my own thing and my own smells and and all that sort of stuff um I, know, I can't even think how else. it was just such a an anxious time because mm. even like having my, my temperature taken I just hate my ears being touched so you know, every morning they would come in and do that and, yeah, all of the – and I had no control, no control over anything that I wanted to control over. So have you been able to regain more control? Yep, yeah. So now um, now that I'm walking and stuff like that, and that was half the reason why I said no to having a wheelchair at the moment anyway. Um, but I wanted to be able to be independent. So mm -hmm. I get, um, if we go out on a big shopping day, my friend will be like, we're going to get a wheelchair so you're not going to end up really, really sore for the rest of the day. And I'm real hesitant. And she's just like, why? And I'm like, I just don't want people looking at me and seeing, you know, the fat chick in the wheelchair. And then I'm like, I like to be able to move around and do what I want, you know, when I want. And I get to shower by myself and shower myself. Mm. as much as you know I'm supposed to shower when people are at least home um and all my toileting everything like that trying to keep my things tidy mm. all of that sort of stuff's a bit on the rough side now but yeah I've got most of my independence so can you drive again yeah I'm back to driving I started driving in um September 2000 and 19 so it was the same year of the accident but like five, five months five later. months yeah because yep. it's in may yeah yep yep, yep. so i started okay. I'm going on. 
yep it was late late September um I think it was just the beginning of the September school holidays I think maybe yeah I can't okay. quite remember um and I still only drive local mm-hmm. um I hate big traffic um I still won't drive through the intersection at night time at night time when it's raining so I'll drive through the intersection when it's rain when it's night sorry yeah when it's night time and when it's um daytime and if it's daytime raining I will but night time I won't night time raining there's just no way in hell we'll go even so my daughter's the same I'm a bit curious about that actually um if you'd had two accidents in the same spot oh it wasn't in the same spot I just had two oh. accidents yeah oh sorry I thought you said it was in the same no. spot one was about what well, we were taking our puppy to puppy school and and that was the the minor you could call it a minor accident okay and the major so, one was was at the intersection yeah yeah so what happened with so like that's all the health stuff what happens with like um i i, I guess like insurance and um like legal stuff behind the scenes after an accident oh (laughs) um yeah that's I spent I think a lot of my anxiety in hospital was because nobody could tell me and we played a bit of cat and mouse with the police um because you know they try and ring me and I'll try and ring them and but we couldn't they couldn't work out who was at fault because there was five witnesses plus me plus the other girl um um so all up seven different stories except the other girl had changed her story three or four times um on top of that so um we couldn't work out who was at fault and you know where I would well stand I'm gonna use that very lightly um because I didn't know whether if I was at fault or if she was at fault until I was home for three weeks I think Mm -hmm. and found out that she was at fault um I don't know what she's been charged with. I did, I was told somewhere that it's just like three demerit points and $390 fine or something. Yeah. Um, and I just keep reminding myself it was an accident and she's a kid. Well, she oh. wasn't, she's 20, she was 22, but to me, that's a kid. Yeah, that's a kid. No, yeah. Um, <sighs> and so my insurance company, put me not at fault straight away because obviously I could do timeline and there's a little thing on your phone that can show you where you've been placed throughout the day and it actually tracked me from the local hospital with my daughter all the way to that intersection mm-hmm. to the way that I came home and that's my regular route anyway. Um, and then the how CTP. Did, how, does that, how does that work? So that how did the tracking show that you weren't at fault? Um just where my car was placed on the road oh. and stuff like that. Yep. Oh, so okay. this is all very technical. Yeah. Um, there was a part where she had said that I'd gone down a slip lane and then reversed back and pulled into the and gone straight through a red light, but she, she failed to give way on a red light because she was turning and I was going straight on a green light. Um, and she, so then her insurance company tried to argue my insurance company um but obviously that side of the insurance all was sorted out and I got myself a well my husband went and got me a new car um with the help of a friend um and then there's the CTP which is your rego I'm not sure how it works there but here Mm, it's you pay your rego and you're covered all your medical stuff's covered um and then there's um sometimes there's compensation depending on your injuries and how much percentage damage you have for your future life um and we're just going through that now still nearly three years um but they're paying for all my uh, physio and my, my rehab gym um my hydro um i have to wear specialized shoes um yeah. they're going to have to put some modifications in my car so i can get in and out of my car because it's quite low and i struggle most days to get in and out of my car um 
we had to we have to do the bathroom and modify the bathroom as well and put some handles in there. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I don't want them, like I've been putting it off and putting it off, but I have to do it. So there's going to be all these sort of things. And I lost for day-to-day living, I've lost just over, I think it was like 68% usage of my legs. So it's like, you know, I can stand for about 10 or 15 minutes before I'm beginning pain. So if I can start dinner, then I've got to sit down for a little bit and then I can go mm. back to it. Um, and washing, I can hang on inside racks and stuff, but I can't hang outside because of my balance is, is really off. Um, we've got stairs out the back and I can't go and hang out with my kids out in the backyard because I can't, I can get up the stairs, I just can't get down them. And that's even with my stick. Um, it's just too, like, I don't know, dangerous, I suppose. I might fall on my face or something. Mm. Um, and we have to put a rail out the front. So they'll pay for all of that and there'll possibly be a compensation payout, but I'll keep my legs, have my legs better to take any amount of money so I can just be normal, you could say. Getting a tattoo can be a really intense experience. The smell is unique. The space is often exactly what our parents' greatest fears for our teenies were, and sometimes the people can seem intimidating. And this can make it really hard to go through getting that tattoo, especially if you've never done it before. Trauma Tats is a boutique studio where the whole experience, from the time that you call or message, to supporting you to develop your artwork, to making you feel comfortable and safe in the space, to managing big emotions that tattoos can bring to your aftercare, the whole experience is about you and meeting your needs, where you're at making sure that the story that your tattoo is telling is nurtured and honoured. With special care for those whose stories sit in the trauma space, you, your tattoo, and your story are safe with trauma tats. If we've ever met or you've seen me online, you've probably noticed that I have some tattoos. If you ask me, I'll tell you about them. My tattoos tell a story, just like the ones that I share with you on the trauma tales. If you have a story to share or honour and want to do that in a space where you feel safe and respected, contact Trauma Tats, a professional tattoo studio, to work through what you've been through. Find them on Instagram or Facebook at TraumaTats1T and tell them Shannon sent you. Yeah, there is no amount of money that can give you back yeah. your life. No. So what about, um, I didn't ask you before, like, yeah, you, you touched on sort of day-to-day living. So what were you doing before the accident? Um, I was a stay-at-home mum. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my youngest had just started primary school so I was looking at going into studying either to become a carer in a nursing home or um, I wanted to work with children or young adults with ASD and be a carer Um, for those I've got a couple of friends who've got um, children one in particular he's he's my favorite kid he's just amazing Um, and I really really thought that you know I could be his carer um, for my friend um, but obviously now, you know, that's not possible because if anything happens, um, you know, such as a bird comes near him, he's going to run and I can't run after him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of blown out in the water. Um, yes, yeah, so I was about to go into studying and I was just doing home, stay-at-home mum stuff, um, just chilling with my kids and all that sort of stuff. Parks, yeah, running, running their life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it looks yeah. a bit different these days. Yeah, it's um, I miss the beach. I do like to go down to the beach, um, but we've only got one beach here that has like a wheelchair access, and it's probably about a forty-minute drive, forty-five-minute drive from me. Um, uh. My local beach is probably about um, with for normal people legs. It's about a twenty-minute walk from my house. Oh, um, so I'm really close to the beach um, and we do have a drive on beach but of course because of my anxiety with driving I can't drive onto the beach no because I'm I'm petrified of getting stuck or you know yeah. something happening so you know I have to you know rely on other people to get me down there and then mm-hmm. even still I can only have my shoes off for a little while because then my feet start to ache and I can't mm-hmm. go in the water for long because the sand moves and yeah 
so I missed the beach a lot and I missed taking the kids out and walking the dog and, you know, all that sort of things that we don't even think about. Like I wouldn't even think about it. I'd just go to the beach. I'd just walk my dog. I could just do the things. Yeah. And it's, it's simple things like even I had to harness up my dog a couple of weeks ago because he was having a bath and I've stood out the front and held on to the lead thinking, yeah, he's going to be good. And he's bolted for the dog cleaner and I was dog washer lady. And I've, um, he's pulled me and I've just fallen straight to the ground because I have no stability to be able to stay up with that sort of strength. And I didn't even think to myself that he would pull me over because, you know, for a minute there, I thought maybe I'm a bit normal, but you know, that's just, yeah. Cause you forget. Yeah. And sometimes I really try and forget and I, you know, I push, push the boundaries a little bit and, you know, try and do things that I'm not supposed to or whatever, but it's, yeah, it doesn't always end well. Mm. So, yeah. so how are you now? Um, physically, um, I'm not too bad. I'm doing a lot of gym and PT rehab um and like hydrotherapy still and I'm learning to swim because I promised myself I'll learn to swim um mentally I have good days and bad days I have a lot of days where I'm I don't know if it's anger or frustration because I want to be able to do the things like all Mm. the things with the kids like just a simple you know take my daughter for a walk down to the park and let her ride her scooter you know, I yep. don't want to have to jump in the car and drive there. I want to be able to walk, you know, it's a yep. nice day. Um, even walking around the shop some days, I just can't, like my pain's too much, so I can't do it or I don't last very long. Um, then I get exhausted quite a bit as well. Um, that would shit me. I'd, I'd, I'd struggle with my frustration, I think. If, yeah, if that's, I, yeah. yeah, it yeah. would be frustrating. Yeah. Um, my kids are great, especially the youngest one. She's really good. She helps me up and down curbs and and stuff like that. Um, she's always been like great since the day I came out. Well, they all have been, but she's usually the one that's with me. She's my little sidekick. Um, I got one of them. Yeah, they're good. Um, the and I want to be. I know it sounds really bizarre, but I want to be able to do proper cleaning myself because nobody will do it to the standard that I want. Ah, yeah. Um, I didn't even so, think about that. I get it though. Yeah. I totally get it. Uh, I remember, and it's not the same thing and I'm certainly not trying to, but I, I, I just triggered a memory in me of when I was like nine, eight, nine months pregnant with my daughter and I had really bad, because um, I forget what it's called, but when her spine was on my spine. So I had yeah. really, really bad sciatica and I couldn't move in certain like, because being, you know, eight, nine months pregnant is, you know, super flexible anyway. Um, but I just remember not being able to clean things properly. And, oh, my God, I was pissed me off. So yeah. that's the first thought that came to mind, that yep. feeling. Yeah. Yeah, so that just like that, I can't squat down mm-hmm. to clean the shower floor. And, I mean, my husband does it. Sometimes the kids do it and I've paid friends to do it. Um, but that's... It's like laundry. I like to do my own stuff. I don't mm. like people cleaning up my stuff. Um, but I need to keep make sure the bathroom floor, you know, like doesn't get any conditioner on the floor because it's slippery and my feet can't, I can't, you know, like sometimes you can grip the ground with your feet. Mm. I can't do that. My toes won't, they move, but they won't do that grip. Yeah. Um, so I've always like, got to make sure the bathroom floor is, yeah, yeah. The monkey grip thingy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't wear thongs and I've never, ever worn sneakers in my life and now that's all I can wear and I hate it because I just want to wear my thongs because that's just what I wear. Um, yeah, I've, yeah, there's lots of little bits and pieces that, um, like the Royal Show we usually have, um, you know, I went for the very first time in 2018 and I mean, it wasn't much for me, but my kids loved it. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to go to a thing like that because it's walking around all day on uneven ground with no no wheelchair or anything. And even if I did have a wheelchair, 
like it's still really awkward to be able to do anything mm-hmm. so it's just all the little things you know being able to do do that and um climbing up the stairs to the backyard like I want to go and chill out with my daughter up on the trampoline or whatever you know I can't get up to the top part of the backyard where the trampoline is um yeah just all those sort of you know little bits and pieces yeah and cooking baking I miss baking because I used to love baking okay um so standing in the kitchen for a long time I can't yeah stand up for ages and stuff like that and then I can't sit either for too long. Like I'll constantly, as you probably noticed, move around, mm. straighten my legs, bend them, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I I have noticed the, re- the recurring theme, and I kind of mentioned it earlier about the, the community. Like I'm hearing a lot of, like there is a strength in your community and your friends and your family and your kids. And that that's obviously been something that's kind of, kept you going and held you together yeah pretty much yeah that yeah that nails it um my my group of friends um my family's great but my group of friends got to see me on a little bit of the weaker side um obviously I've got to put on the brave face for my kids but my friends have been there through all of the um ups and downs and you know I'd have days where I'd say I wish that they took my legs I don't know that sounds really bizarre at the time you know I don't I I feel that way but you know Mm. in reality I don't and then sometimes I say the big old I would have been better off if I died and I know that's horrible and I don't want to die but some days it's just too much and I just can't can't deal with it and like the driving anxiety is too much and my kids miss out on all that sort of stuff so like my friends have been really good with that they'll come and pick up my kids and pick up me and you know most of them have got um seven seaters cars so which yep. works out really well um and um one of my friends moved away to mount gambia which i'm devastated about and everyone this Christmas is driving over there to go and see her but obviously I can't drive over there because I'm too chicken um and it's only a five-hour drive but once again only well yeah but it's such an Aussie thing to say it's only a 12-hour drive it'd be right probably go to the other side of the country it'd be right yeah um yeah that's true um but I've decided we'll just go there next year. No, yeah, next year for my birthday. Um, and she was she was one of my biggest rocks. I've got her and two others. They were my real rocks in hospital. Um, so one of my my friends, Kylie, she would quite often she came into hospital when I was there for in the in the big one at first and she'd come in and wash my hair because my hair hadn't been washed for eight days or something and I was wigging out. Losing it. Yes, I would too. I felt so gross. So she came and washed my hair and it was just like the best and I've got the best photos of us get of her doing my hair. Um, I mentioned the princess chair earlier at the um, little hospital I went to. They didn't have one. So my friend Kylie, she went and spoke to the nursing manager unit. Um, She's also a nurse herself but she works elsewhere but she went and spoke to them about hiring a, uh, a princess chair from the nursing home across the way just for my stay so she went and got one they went and got one and they said if I write a review that they will come up with the money and buy one for the hospital so um, I wrote a review about how it's you know helping me because I can get outside and I can do this and do all that and I'm not stuck in bed um, and yeah and Tanya was there um, she's gone to Mount Gambia now, but she's she was there every every day, every single day. She would come and visit me. Um, she bought me a fake poo, a stress ball thing. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, <laughs> In a hospital yeah. too. Yeah, and I run a big mark with that yeah. one. That was amazing. Good. Um, Good. So yeah, her and her, her little daughter would come in every day, and um, you know, and just chill out, and I'll just have a whinge to her and you know, how horrible it is and I just, you know, 
she would just let, let me go, let me say what I need to say. Mm-hmm. And then my other friend, Sam, she did the same thing. She, but she was also on kid duty. So she looked after my kids a lot while I was in hospital. She picked them up from school and dropped them off and picked them up. So, which was good. So, yeah, I was really lucky in the community way. Yeah. With all of them. They all just, I don't know, they all just band together. And even if some of them, I don't know whether some of them didn't like each other or whatever, I don't know. They probably all liked each other. I have no idea. But um, they all just clicked together. And Shane, Shane, they would come over and I'd say to him, um, yeah, okay, so you need to paint the bedroom. Here's the paint. This is the colour. And he would stand back the walls and wash all the walls and paint it. So he's done his job and they'll be like, okay, now you need to do this. And he would do that. Like, so he was just being bossed around by a hundred wives. Yep. Yep. All, all the, all the wives. Yep. All the wives. Yep. yep. Um, That's funny. My partner has, so I, my, when we talk about family, um, I, in a sort of similar way, I, um, you know, they're saying blood's thicker than water. So the actual saying isn't what we think it is because people use that saying to make out that, you know, family's more important than anybody else, which is bullshit because the actual saying is the blood of the coven is thicker than the water of the womb, which indicate, which actually means the blood of the coven being the people you choose. So your family of choice is more important than where you've come from. And that's yep. not a slander against your family. That's basically saying that you, you choose your family. Um, yeah. The, and they get to, you get to choose who your people are. And it sounds like that's, that's your people. That community yep. is your people. And, and I, I have in my community, like my sister, who's not my sister, um, is funnily enough, married to my best friend. And I have a lot of, of wives, um, lesbians in my life who I'm very very close to and when my partner sort of came along he went I wanted a girlfriend but I have a girlfriend and about 10 wives that wasn't the goal but I don't hate it (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so similarly to to your to your husband he's ended up with all these extra wives (laughs) yeah yeah there's a few other stories behind that but yeah they um (laughs) oh no not like that um (laughs) That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. Um, moving on. Yeah, he he needed that direction too. Yeah, um, quite a bit. But um, I think it also brought me and my mother-in-law quite a bit closer mm, as well. Nice. She's she's been amazing too. Like she, on the the brains side of things. So like. Um, we were talking about the insurance and stuff. She's very smart in that sort of sort of way. So she's been almost, I wouldn't say taking control, but she helps direct me because it's so overwhelming and it's so mm. much information, so much paperwork. So I run everything by her and just say, am I doing this right? And she's just like, yeah. And then, you know, she, she says, like, make sure you speak to the lawyer. Show the lawyer this, you know, tell the lawyer that that's what you want. Remember, he's working for you. Don't be intimidated by him. He's working for you. Yeah. You know, all of that sort of stuff because um, I really find him, I mean, fear, what's the word, inferior, something like that. Like I just think that he's, because he's a, very much a white collar, that he's a bit better than me when, you know, that's just the way that I felt. But, you know, he finally understands me and gets my humour. So that's good. Yeah, you got to drop a few dark jokes and see how they land. Yeah, and yep. that's how you know they're your people. Yeah, yep, that's yeah, that's true. Um, and my father-in-law, he's on the medical side of things. Yeah, he's a nurse, so, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's um explained a lot of bits and pieces to me, and said a few things about my my bones and you know why they didn't do this and why they did this and all that sort of stuff. Oh, that would be helpful because that would be really hard to navigate, I'd imagine, if you don't have a medical background, trying to navigate what is happening around you. Because, you know, when we work in health, we like to use lots of big words and we understand them, but the people around us don't. And the people that we're using them on, they don't necessarily understand them. So having someone like almost translate that 
foreign language to you when it's about your body would have been so yeah. helpful. Yeah, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, yeah, he was – so I did have a good gang. That's good. I, I like around. I love hearing this for you. And it sounds like there's a lot of hope. Things are improving. Yeah, they'll get there. Yeah, you'll get there. Hopefully. And you've got a great team. Yes. Yeah. And without them, I probably wouldn't. I probably would have given up a long time ago. So. And it also lucky head cheerleader. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you for, so much for coming on the podcast today, Lily. It's been amazing to listen to your story. And I'm so glad to hear that you're doing so well. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to the Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email the Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.